Summer is here for us in the Northern Hemisphere. Putting is happening outdoors, and a new season of Holy Moly is upon us. We're going to preview the new season and talk with a Holy Moly champ on the podcast. Greetings, fellow mini golfers. My name is Tom, and I go by Mr. T, and I do a mini golf endeavor with my wife called A Couple of Putts, and we're based out of Minneapolis. We design, consult, and play on mini golf holes and courses all over this darn planet. Find all of our work over at a couple and on social media at couple putts. And I'm Pat, and in mini golf circles, I'm known as the putting penguin. Along with my friend Mandy, I run the mini golf course review website and social media conglomerate, the putting penguin. I'm also a competitive mini golfer, having played in over 60 tournaments with several more coming up in the 2021 schedule. Finally, I'm also very jealous of our guest in this episode in both the beard and holy moly champion categories. And that's right. We're going to be bringing on Mark Duncan, the Australian Holy Moly champ, to discuss his whirlwind experience of winning it all on Holy Moly. But first, we're going to preview season three of Holy Moly that's going to be airing in the United States starting on June 17th. We're having this episode come out the week that it premieres, and we're going to get two episodes. And this is what we know so far. First, the debut of the season in the United States will be June 17th, 2021 on ABC. There'll be a doubleheader with Silent Night, Holy Night, and Holy Moly Goes Pro. So far with the second week, there'll be only one episode called No Apparent Fear of Death. And if that doesn't already get you excited for the season, I don't know what will. This is the third season of Holy Moly being aired in the United States, but what we know behind the scenes is, is that they also, at the same time of recording season three back earlier in the spring, recorded season four. We're not sure if they're going to air it sometime later this summer or in the fall, but stay tuned. It's very well possible that those people that played this past spring might have to wait to see themselves on TV for a full year till next summer, which would be awful. We also know There will be no audiences in the crowd like other seasons of Holy Moly because of COVID protocols. Reading some of the synopsises of the episodes that are out there and what we're seeing online, there might be some cameos from Steph Curry again. And from everything that we've seen and everything we kind of sort of didn't hope for, the obstacles appear to be even more dialed up than in Australia. So you're going to see a lot of people wiping out. And because I was looking at some of the synopsises and a handful of the photos that are floating out there, and Pat hadn't seen them, we thought we'd start off our little uh, season preview with a little game. And we haven't come up with a name for the game, but I'm going to name the hole, and Pat is going to try to do his best to describe it. And then we'll find out in a couple of weeks whether we were anywhere close or not. So play along at home. And if you're listening to this after a couple of episodes have aired, hopefully have a good chuckle at us. I'm sure your design time will prove me wrong in nearly every aspect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like there's going to be a lot of repurposed uh, holes from previous years based on what I've seen so far, but we shall see. There's like a, it, it seems fitting that there's tropes in mini golf where you have like jumps and you have loops and you have bridges and you have windmills and lighthouses. And I feel like Holy Moly is getting into that territory too. And obviously because, well, let's start with that hole. Double Dutch and Fuego is the name of one of those holes. And 
I know that you know this one. Well, yes. And in this one, even if I hadn't seen a picture of a windmill on fire, I think you could have probably put that one together. I guess the real question will be is how much of it is on fire when they're trying to get through it? Because now I'm all just imagining them doing double dutch in the dragon's breath fireproof suits and just who knows what would happen if all that's together but hey it it, like if you pitched me season three and you simply said windmills on fire why do we need anything more well and the season's called holy moly in in 3d in 2d so maybe they're doing some weird special effects that are going to make it look like people on fire That's like my best guess. (laughs) Like maybe they just like this, the show's like a smash hit and they've just got like a CGI budget and like all the people are wearing like the little like Andy circus suits, adding all sorts of things. Like they're making them look like hobbits or whatever. I don't know. Either that or it's going the complete other direction. Um, And we're going to see like this burst of flame once. And then when they play the hole, it's going to be like those uh, fabric flames you see on like Halloween cauldrons (laughs) around. And everybody's just going to be like, what? Okay. Another easy one. And we talked about it earlier. Ho, ho, hole. Yes. And this was one I think we talked about on Colette's episode, last episode that we recorded. But this looks and sounds like Volcano repurposed. So I'm just imagining Disney's Winter Summerland. Hmm. But deadly. Because that's what we all ask for when we go to Orlando. <laughs> There is a sense of Orlando if you get around it enough that you're taking your life in your hands, but that's for another conversation. (laughs) Here's one, the pecker. Ooh. This was one where I feel like my lack of golf knowledge might not even get what this could reference. No. Well, and I appreciate, first of all, it's immediately double entendre. So they're sticking with, with that theme. But and we'll go, I guess, into a little not safe for worth territory right here, although we'll, we'll keep it from being explicit. But I know as we have talked and I've talked with other people before, there tends to be a theme on some many golf courses of holes looking like a certain part of a male anatomy. Mm. And honestly, if they went with that in just like the most subtle of ways, and I can almost picture it being like pixelated <laughs> when when they show it, although it's probably a little not a little too unfamily friendly for them to go that way. So my guess is maybe something akin to like foul play chicken, because I can't think of anything else off the top of my head at my reference. I didn't even think about it. I hope we get the chicken up here. That would be great. Um, Here's another easy one, because if you've watched any of the previews, this one seems obvious. It's called Cornhole. Yeah, that's the one where it just looks like you're you're trying to pull off the the putter ducky or the the hole number two, and it's got exploding corn airbags that you're running into. And clearly this is one of the ones that's set up just to knock people thousands of feet into the water. I mean, did they think either A, that hole number two was too easy, a hole that very few people got past in either season that it was used or did they want it to be more unpredictable where it wouldn't be about running i don't know we'll see it looked cool just didn't want to pay the the actors to sit in the dunnies it's true covid covid you never know um Here's another easy one, the fishing hole. Yeah, so this one I saw a little bit of a clip on, although I don't remember a whole lot of it. It looked like almost a mashup of, oh, what am I thinking? The Forgetting the name. The one with the putter water ducky. spouts. Well, putter ducky, oh. but... Um, I know water what you're hazard. Talking. Yes, water hazard meets putter ducky. I'm, that, that's what, I'm going something along the lines. It looked like that. That makes sense to me. Holy matrimony. 
Yeah, well, I mean, classic church theme, right? I mean, to Mm. your point earlier, plenty of churches on mini golf courses. That's true. I forgot about that. Now, the question would be how they turn that into an obstacle. (sighs) I don't know. Like everything that's going through my mind just seems blasphemous. (laughs) But I mean, there's got to be something wedding related, an aisle... I don't know. I'd be interesting to see what they're going to pin, pin on that. But I do like the, th- the theming. Well, I'm assuming it's going to be a church. I mean, that's the first thing that pops to mind. Well, from the previews that I saw, I'm a little curious if one of, th- if, if the kind of bit with this is related to the show Ultimate Beastmaster that's also filmed out there that used a like treadmill and it was like sort of a timing jump over water kind of looked like that i'll be curious to see how they pull it off again like the trailers so far have been pretty quick this one i think is the hardest one to come up with agony of defeat i mean clearly brings to mind the abc wide wall of sports and going down a, a ski slope um now i wouldn't put it past them to throw people down like one of the fake ski slopes i guess kind of a mix of slip and putt but that seems awfully dangerous but uh yeah I'm, I'm going with something along the lines of a lot of lube going fast and probably hurling yourself into a mat that hurts somehow yeah this one looked like from photos that had a skiing theme so good good on you on that that was the one where i was trying to figure out what the connection was is that like a big skiing accident and they're like the agony of defeat yeah the, that's the i can't remember what the the joy of victory or something like that and the agony of defeat was always the tagline for abc's wide world of sports back in the day which is obviously uh, what they're tying it to uh, there so it'll be smart. interesting to see what their lead-ins and stuff are there for that whole uh king parther's court now see i did remember seeing the name for this one and it was kind of confusing because i'm like well we already got dragon's breath which is a bit medieval themed but then i had to think about like well what else could we possibly do with that i mean we've got drawbridges on other holes we've got we could throw some catapults in there and just like turn this into american gladiator style and catapult stuff at our people who are trying to play which i don't put outside the realm of possibility either actually now that i'm thinking about it like let's give the mini golfers a shield and catapult those tennis balls at them while they want to play that's that's my matchup i don't think that's what this hole is but that's what (laughs) i want it to be uh this one seems obvious in the trailer i i only saw in the trailer parkade see i didn't see this one in the trailer oh Someone had hinted this one to me that this was a theme of a hole. Well, maybe that's, yeah. Was this the, the like pinball themed one? I Which, think so. Again, interested to see like what the obstacle would be. But now Ditto. that I'm thinking about it, like I would love it to be if they put him in like one of those hamster balls and you had to like navigate mm-hmm. your way down a pinball machine to get to like a specific spot. Who knows? And then the last one, Turfing USA. Yeah, this sounds like another, like, surf and turf repurposed. I saw one photo, and I can't make heads or tails of it. But um, those are some of the names of the holes, we think. The thing that I forgot to also mention about what we know is that, and and I'll delete this if I've already said this, there's going to be eight people per episode. And there's going to be nine episodes and a finale, I believe, or eight episodes and a ninth episode of finale. And I've been also told that the grand finale hole, spoiler alert, is three people this time around instead of four, 
but they will be playing for a quarter of a million dollars. I don't know if it's a single putt. My guess is they're probably going to keep it that way after they did it in Australia as well. But that's all we know. I guess if we're thinking they still have 18 holes, which ones do you think are definitely returning that we haven't heard names of. So like They've I would never had 18. Remember, <laughs> remember well, last right. year. They had, yeah, that's true. They had 17. 17. Um, and oh, season was, one was, was only Australia? 10. 18. No, it was even less. I think okay. they were 15. So they've never had 18, even with repurposing things. The only way you could have got away with it was season two is if you would have counted the 19th hole where they shoot a bunch of stuff and promos. But yeah, I'm wondering, given that list of names, like I I would like to see Clowning Around come back because we've seen it so little. That would be awesome. I mean, they have those. I mean, if it's not obvious to people watching, I think for those of us that have played and been on set, it's very obvious that they repurpose things. The Putt Bunyan that was at the top of Log Roll in season one was on like the 19th hole and they had a lot of like little bits around that teed off like big golf ball that was used for diving range last year. I mean, there's so much stuff that you repurpose just because what we know from building mini golf stuff and we got on that set was, oh yeah, you couldn't build this on a real mini golf course because you could never charge an amount of money (laughs) to break even on all of this expensive stuff, let alone the liability, let alone the stunt people to make sure people don't get killed. You're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars. There's no mini golf course in the world that costs a fraction of what it costs to build that set. Yeah, And they're going to repurpose it. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I'd like to see some of our favorites come back, but it'll be nice to be able to talk about a lot of brand new holes. And like I said, some of these, like the Agony Defeat, I mean, maybe that takes the place of like where Slip and Putt was and some of these ones get retired that we won't be seeing again. Yeah, I mean, as far as we know right now, the only gimmick that's like made it through all of the seasons is the Dutch Courage, but maybe the Distractor. Distractor. And you know what they had on the poster, which didn't, none of these names really related to, there was a dinosaur on the poster. I did see, I did see, uh, I don't feel like bad about talking about this. I did like see on Instagram, somebody who probably shouldn't have been posting it. That was part of production, posted a picture of some sort of dinosaur thing. And it was like, finally dinosaurs. But like that was there. And the other thing that I saw in the poster, like we're dissecting a promo poster, but I saw donuts. So you got to figure, I mean, a donut hole, donut hole in one, obvious I would love it because every time I think of donuts and, of course, Disney owns everything now, I mean, just give us the Homer Simpson oh. hole, which I would, that'd be it. I'd have to sign off and just be be, be done because that's like the, the merging of everything I love in the world. I did see that they're that they've they're falling in line with what they did down in Australia, that there was a hole that was sponsored by some brand, which I'm like, yeah, it was sort of inevitable, but... Maybe it'll be funny. They did actually, as far as branding goes, a pretty good job in Australia, but it remains to be seen. Uh, What are some hopes and thoughts that you have, Pat? Just like anything that comes to mind or... You know, I think you mentioned a little bit in terms of we know they're going to ratchet it up, but I hope it doesn't overshadow some of the putting and stuff. And I think when we watch the Australian episode, even though... They really were trying to beat up the 
contestants pretty well. There was a lot of good putting and a lot of good drama, and I'd like to see what comes out of a bunch of new holes and stuff. I I just hope that we don't get some of these and we're like, eh, yeah, we saw this. It's just a different theme plastered on the same hole, but I get the feeling we may, may not be in that territory. So I guess in the short is I just want to be entertained by the new stuff. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like to see good putting continue. I have to say that minus one or two episodes in season one, the people who won by and large are pretty good putters. So, you know, you get to the end of season two, you have Chelsea, Mallory, David, and Tanner, who I think all of them on a normal game of mini golf would give anybody a run for their money. You had Mark, Montana, and Jaden all in the finals of Holy Moly in Australia, and all three of them made some amazing skill putts multiple times. It wasn't like fluky. So I hope it continues that it's not super fluky because I think it's good that there can be fluky episode winners and people along the way. And I think getting that to also like line up with really showing that the game can represent a lot of identities is great. But I do hope that you know, they take it as a serious sport a little bit more than like mini golf. Like you have kids going out in the course and then they're like pushing their friend in a pond because that's what they think mini golf is all about. That it's not about like hitting a ball through a castle and having some imagination, but it's like, hey, look at this. I just pushed you like into like a go-kart and you got hurt. That I mean, sucks. To be fair, the kids have been doing that well before Holy Moly was on the air. It's true, but it's not like the thing that like, I don't know. It's not the thing that like gets me up in the morning is like imagining like somebody putting someone else through pain on a mini golf course. I mean, you can have pain on a mini golf course for missing putts. I've definitely had that feeling, but I don't know. I want more joy than pain on the mini golf course. And that's my hope for the season. And now we'll move on to our holy moly champ. All right. So we're going to get kicked off here with our interview with Mark Duncan, the winner of season one of Holy Moly Australia. And first of all, very nice to have you here today with us. I'm glad you could come on. And I'm going to kick it off with a pretty simple question. How did you hear about Holy Moly and what made you want to apply for this amazing show? Hi, guys. Thanks for the invite. Um, Yeah, no, the mates sent me a link to the application form and because i've been playing golf for 45 46 years um it was a no-brainer and i thought it was fun exciting sort of the apps and then i googled more and more and i thought what a show had you seen any of the u.s episodes clips online etc before you signed up or it was just like oh i got this flyer it looks pretty cool let's go for it uh pretty much just entered the put my name and details in and told my story. And then it was get another email and say, send some fuck, send some videos in. So it just kept going that way. And I never really had a chance, but I looked at a couple and it looked, just looked fun. That is true. And uh, we had chatted with Mark a little bit beforehand, but for those of you that don't know that there was sort of a false start to the first season of Holy Moly in Australia. And Mark, if you kind of want to share some of the details of that experience, because I think people would be curious to hear about coming to America and then yeah, what happened. Basically, yeah, incredible. The the timing of when all Australians went over. Um, I think I landed on the Wednesday and there was a few people prior and there was a few people after us. Uh, we went out there the first night and it was a little bit, drizzly and things and we sort of got on the set and 
got makeup and wardrobe and then we're out to do a little 19th hole um, and then we would sort of go back the next night we're ready to putt and it just the heavens opened up um, if you could say and it was very taunting it was very close as I said that we were on the Dutch courage ready to go and two in front of me and then I heard a little bit of a noise and it broke the machine so we had to then pack our bags back to the room and we couldn't get the putt so it was just the timing um, of straight out getting to LA and enjoying the time and then because of our bad weather and then the COVID hit um, it was the first part where we was landed in LA and we, we, we said well let's get home <laughs> because we needed really to get home so within two days they were trying to put the show back three days so the weather would clear up but they couldn't even do that because of COVID and people got it so we had to get out of LA back to Australia so five days of trying to get the putt and I didn't get the putt and that's coming all the way over from Australia. And for those, just for context, because as you know, like we kind of have a good sense from guests we've had on the show when things were filmed in Los Angeles. And it was in March, I think it was 9th, 2020 is when the US season wrapped. And the yes. intent was they were going to have an Australian cast that was flown over that was going to record their whole season. And then after that, they were going to record a whole group of Germans that were going to be flown over and record yeah. a season. The German season still hasn't happened, although I heard that there's some rumors that they might do that in Australia. But yeah, if you line up like the timeline of when COVID yeah. really hit the United States, it, it it couldn't have been worse for the Australian group and for the US group. They really got lucky that they got done before yes. everything yeah, hit the fan. They were lucky and the weather was pretty good. So we just got the two battles at us and we had to adapt and get out. And 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 for our guest, Mark, it worked out pretty well, I'd say. Uh, he, well, yeah, he, he did okay. Well, you took 15, maybe 16 hours to get to the first holy moly set. And the second one was three minutes up the road. <laughs> that's like almost like a a, a home a home uh, course advantage at that point and i think pat already said uh you know that mark was our champion one of the big questions that i had because not being a champion and honestly struggling with like a lot of anxiety and just all of the downtime that you have sitting there what was the mindset and approach that you had to the show and the course? Because I think we'll get to it even some more of the questions, but you really seem to be dialed in. What, what, what was your process for that? Uh, golf's, as, as I said, been a part of my life and I've been putting for years, put it, built a putting course in my backyard um, when I was four. So I kept putting all through my teenage years and it was just, when you got on the set, you were really focused to putt. Um, I know that my first putt up the foul play, I looked up, which mm -hmm. I know do not look up in putting. <laughs> so since that time in putting, when I won the first one, I thought, geez, I could have a go here, you know. Um, so I then focused more on lining up the putts and just keeping focus. 
Um, I had a little bit of a breathing technique every time because you need to do that in not putting every day if you do, but this night that I was on it, that the breathing, hold in five seconds, let it out, be relaxed, take your putt. You don't want to be tense in your putting. So it was a little format that I did for, for the putting. And at the end of the day, they all went in. Yes, they did. <laughs> the important ones at the very least went in. <laughs> oh, yes, it bounced off. I um, off a lovely pyramid. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess that leads into, so I'm going to set this up a little bit for the listeners in case they didn't remember, but I have a very important question and a particular putt that you took. Um, so in the finale, <laughs> you got to play clowning around, which for our listeners, if they haven't yes. seen it or had seen it and forgot, you're upside down to begin the hole. You're yes. putting towards an elevated spinning green. And most of the time, the first putt either bounces off and you got to get back up or you land on theirs. You yeah. had an incredible, very mini golf moment where it landed and got stuck in like a little piece of felt on yep. the incline up and didn't go up and didn't no. go down. So now no. you're faced with the platform is spinning. The ball is stuck on a piece of felt. You're playing to try to get to the, the final hole and win the whole thing. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, this is a great mini golf moment because we've all been on the course where the ball goes someplace it's not supposed to. And then you're sitting there going, well, how the heck am I going to recover from this? So my question is, you're doing all this on television, on set. You, again, it's in the finale. What was going through your head when you walked up to that shot to figure out um, what you ended up doing, and then you can go ahead and tell our listeners what you ended up doing. Well, after jumping in that uh, circus wheel, the equilibrium was shot. <laughs> you could say <laughs> I was so dizzy; my eyes were just really trying to focus. Um, they did ask for that ball to go into the drop zone, but I said no. I'll I'll take that. So it was my call for their scenario as well. Um, and he was happy to do that. And once Jesse, he couldn't get the ball up and we maybe had a little bit of a practice and that was a tough to try to get that ball on that dais. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, we, after I, when it was my part, I, I thought about it and just walking with it. And because my equilibrium was that gone, I think I maybe heard someone in the crowd said, jump on it. <laughs> so that tricky putt between the legs became what I thought because I played muck around golf in different ways and and it just thought, oh, I'll just tap it through the legs and just tap it up. So it all worked because I was steady going around, still getting dizzy and just tapped it. So, yeah, the focus was pretty pretty hard, but I ended up getting it on the green. It was absolutely brilliant. And there you go, listeners. So all those times when you just sit there and you knock the ball between your legs, because we have all done it, yep. at some point that could win you some money on a holy moly set. Just keep that <laughs> exactly. in the back of your mind. <laughs> you never know how you're going to putt it. And that's what I was talking about. Just that mindset that you, there was like a cool confidence that I was just like, wow, you made that look so easy. And it's not as if it wasn't like a lot of pressure already. You were one, yeah. one hole away from, from the big one at that point. Yes. It was the, the last hole that I knew that I could get into the final. And I knew that I had to just focus to try and beat him. And that's, that's, that's putting. Yeah. That is, that is definitely putting. Uh, and, and speaking of holes, so I think 
all of us who've been on set seen all of the other things off to the side, I think there's always like secretly in the back of our minds, like, oh, I wish I could have played that. Or boy, you know, after watching it on TV, I'm glad I didn't play that. And so I'm curious, what are those two holes? What's the one that you wish you played? And what's the one that you're really grateful that you never had to face off against? Uh, I think Dutch Courage is the toughest one that I would have probably went on. I'm glad I didn't get to that one. Um, the ones I played, the foul play, surf and turf, duck circus, I think I had one of the easiest runs, you know, in a scenario that there was water to fall into mm. or feathers. And, yeah, the circus one really trialled me. But, you know, the, the number two hole running across things, you know, my body's not built for running and speed. <laughs> so I worked on the fact that I just did what I had to do. Yeah, fair. Although, as we were talking about before we came on, the difficulty of the obstacles, there was mm. only one person who actually got across like yeah. hole number two. So it didn't really work for anybody on that no, one. It didn't. It was a tough, tough course. Well, that one of my favorite uh, moments, and this brings me to the, the question I'm going to have on Putter Ducky was the, I think it was the second time around where you missed it and you went, oh crap, I, now I have to run. I mean, I felt you in that moment right, right there. <laughs> there yeah. I was like, yeah. But um, so, because the interesting thing is you were one of the only competitors who played a whole twice, which we yes. haven't seen on any of the other seasons. You got Putter Ducky twice, once in your the first episode and once in the finale. Yeah. What? went through your mind the second time when you got to play and having already gotten a chance to go through it you know you knew what the obstacle was going to be you knew what the putting was going to be like did you approach it any differently well i nearly got through the second time but yeah i just made the dive better um, <laughs> <laughs> it was cinematic yes yeah. um no because it was funny going straight on that hole again the ducks and i knew the putt had to go straight up the hill and back at the hole so i was yeah, I had to do another putt off with her. So I knew the, the way to putt it had all the practice from the last time. So, yeah, she even, the, the Teresa even said to me that, yeah, you got to, you just played this hole. So, yeah, she knew as well. Yeah, and that was, that was odd. I mean, I think that was at least the fair part of it that both you and Teresa had played it previously. So if they're going to have you repeat it again... Both of us. Yeah, the both the both of you had that, and there's no like distinct advantage that you kind of know how the surface no. plays, and then it comes down to who can make the putts, and and it came down to Teresa because she had she had made it past the ducks the first time around and didn't the second, and that was that was the deciding factor really. Mm, mm, man, most definitely, and the ducks was just the ducks, and you were very to the point. My body wasn't not going to get past, and <laughs> yeah, just dive in. <laughs> So I'm I'm curious with, you know, we've both of us having followed a lot of the Australian Holy Moly competitors and seeing what everybody's up to on social media. The fun thing that's we've seen that's come out of your season that came out of our season in season two as well, mm-hmm. is there's this camaraderie and these friendships that come together that we're now seeing you playing mini golf with like a whole bunch of the other competitors and other Australian mini golfers. Tell us about a little bit about post Holy Moly life with other contestants and competitors and what you've been up to. Well, in LA that we joined forces from the people as soon as we landed. Um, Prue, Nathan, Colette, Josh, King Henry, Jasmine, you know, I could keep naming them. 
we have then just said, because we know that what we're going on up against, we we're basically linked at the end of the day as full friendship there and then. So, you know, got on the phones, we made a group and yeah, we, we keep it up. And you've played in some competitive mini golf tournaments now as well, correct, since Holy Moly. Yeah, so King Henry puts together a few events and I go on and trial my putting abilities. So <laughs> it's just joining up and having a bit of fun with them. So, yeah, from Josh to Adam, um, the clown, he's a, he's a legend. So I <laughs> love him. And his boy, Ryan. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had some great times with it and getting around, going to the different courses and people getting a few photographs here and there and helping putting sort of grow in, in the country. Yeah, we love we love seeing it. And so has that helped grow your appreciation for the putting part of the game even more than before? Totally, totally. Um, putting's the one that you need to need sink the putt. It doesn't matter about your drive, where it goes. It doesn't matter about your seconds or whatever, but it's that one sh- part that finishes you the hole. So it doesn't matter how you get there. You've got to sink the putt. True words. Mm. Hell yeah. <laughs> so burning question, of course, as a champion and uh, knowing that there was a celebrity who ran this particular show, just like in the U.S., but did you get to meet Greg Norman? <laughs> No. Oh, such a bummer. <laughs> it was. Um, when I've got my signed hat from him when I was about 10 or 12, can't remember back then, and when I was in golfing as a teenager, and it said attack life. So, yeah, from that moment, you know, Greg Norman had a special sort of momentum to me, and I, I really wanted to meet him, uh, but he wasn't there. That's a bummer. Also, one of the interesting things that, I mean, from us watching the show is it seemed like, and and I don't know if this is just because a much smaller country than the United States, but a lot of people seem to have Greg Norman or Greg Norman adjacent stories. And I don't know if it was just because the producers picked that or if he just does manage to touch so many people in the world of golf over there, given his status. I mean, I even remember growing up, I mean, how could you not like somebody who's got, you know, the shark as his nickname and his symbol and everything here in the U.S.? So I got to imagine over there, it's, I mean, it's got to be equal to, you know, Ian Tiger or Jack Nicholas or yeah. something from the US yeah, perspective. Greg, Greg was our first white hope of our you know golfing scene. So he was the man that, that worked, Ian Baker Finch and you know, a few others, but um Greg was it. He was into the majors and you know how he went through the majors, win loss records. So he's and he had the the shark and everyone wore the shark and you know he was a big follower. And when he played in Brisbane, uh the guys that kept of our age um, got to meet him or doing events or when he was practicing and everyone got a notice and he was very helpful to the Queenslanders or Australians. That's awesome. He is. He's an awesome guy. And I, I was disappointed, but Hey, that's life. Hopefully there's an opportunity at some point down the road to like connect those dots. You would hope that he'd be interested in, or the show would be interested in that because mm. that's just, just too cool of a thing not to connect. It's like the winner of the first season of Holy Moly in Australia and the, you know, the big celebrity golfer behind it. Like that, that's got, that's got to be a photo I want, you know, yeah. that's got to happen at some point. Um, yeah. In this episode of the podcast or in the podcast, we are going to be talking about 
season three in the United States, which oddly for a little bit, season three was like the Australian season for us because we think of it just like this ongoing show. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on season three in the US. If you've seen any of the trailers, if you have any like kind of hopes or, you know, thoughts or any ideas for it. Oh, I've seen a few of the new holes running uh, from the ski jump to the ring and and I think the fish is the is replaced with the ducks and <laughs> so there's a few little things that yeah they I don't think anyone's going to get through them uh, for one <laughs> they are tough holes to go through I do like the Santa's pole on the on on the Santa sleigh or whatever they're doing so that's very enjoyable I think um and i think they've replaced the volcano with pinball or something so yeah it looks looks amazing through the lights and 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 yeah you just got to go out there and attack it as what what greg said to me in that sign hat just attack it yeah we'll have to say i'm very glad and i'm sure tom echoes this sentiment that we were on the original version of the show because <laughs> the uh, obstacles on the holes seemed a whole lot easier for us <laughs> yeah they have gone extreme times two <laughs> yeah we we got real i got really nerdy and looking at the numbers it's like is it that bad and it's like oh yeah it's that bad like very 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 few people got through the obstacles that you could get through in the Australian yeah. season. And if they've ramped it up even more in the, what is it? Two, 3d and 2d for yes. Holy moly season three. I, I can only imagine how many people are going to see Wipeout coming up and then it's, yeah. And, and I guess how was that experience over and over with the putting? Like you got, I mean, you got soaked, you got hit with pies, yep. you got covered and yep. feathers, like all of those things on their own and trying to like do anything at like in the middle of the night, it's tough. But then yeah. you're trying to like do something uh, like putting that requires massive concentration. Did it throw you off at any, did, was one throw you off more than the other? Uh, feathers was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> didn't really worry me. Um the pies, I put up my beard, you know, didn't get it in my eyes. So I, I was thinking. So he, he made, I made sure of that because the first one just stung my eyes like crazy. Mm. Uh, the water, yeah. Uh, the, the big focus was on that, getting your hands dry to putt. Mm. You know, getting a towel. You can't dry them on your clothes. <laughs> They're sopping wet. So, yeah, you, uh, that's why you see me blow on my hands and mm. trying to dry them so I can get a grip on my putt so I don't slip. So that was tricky in the water. Um, the beard and the shaggy dog is what Robbie said. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I <laughs> it was very tough to grit, get your hands dry so you can get a putt. That was the slip and putt experience, trying to get your hands not lubed up when your entire <laughs> body is covered yeah. in it. And you're just like, all right, we'll, we'll yeah. make that do. Um, important, because you have mentioned it, and obviously our viewers 
hopefully have seen you on the show, but won't be seeing you. You won't be listening to you, but you do have the luxurious beard. Non mini golf question as a bearded man myself, was the beard a natural thing? Did you at some point make a bet and you just went on or you, or you like myself and I've had a beard for 20 plus years because I'm simply lazy and I don't like to shave. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I was a sales representative for many years, so it was clean shaven and I went to one job and I seen somebody with a beard and a mate said to me, uh, do you want to come to a concert? And it was called, the band was called The Beards. <laughs> if you haven't heard of them, they're an Australian <laughs> band and they, they sing about beards. So I stopped <laughs> shaving. So yeah, six years, that's it. The great origin story. See, and when you said the band, I'm expecting like ZZ Top, right? Exactly. Because that, that, that's the band oh, yeah. that's known for the beards. But even better, it's a band called The Beards. Beards. And four guys with beards go out and play bearded songs. All the bearded ladies. and <laughs> Oh, it's hilarious. But did they have a drummer whose last name was Beard, who was the only non-bearded guy? Because that that would be amazing as well. <laughs> Yes, it would. I think uh, he had a beard. So, okay. Yeah. For those of, for those of you not in the know, the ZZ Top's drummer is named Frank Beard. He's the guy without the beard in the band, which is always one of those great things. Pat, anything else? I think we've covered a lot of really good bases. Um, the only other one I had was uh, we actually haven't talked about the final hole yet, and so yes. you oh, know yes. you, you've got the tomb there. It's the same final hole as season two in the U.S. So hopefully our viewers have at least our listeners have at least seen that so that they know the construction a little bit different. Tom covered it when he did his design time in the episode, but you know what I'm always interested in in this, and we've talked about it. You know, what they show versus how long it may go <laughs> when you're actually there, two different things. But you know, was there really you know what was your mindset going into it and was there a point during it where you're like you know what I really think I can win this or did it just seem to be like look it's all going to be kind of whatever whoever's got luck on their shoulder yeah it's it's a part of luck but I've putted in many putt putt arenas and gone off and banked off something and you know angles or things like that so I I picked up where we had to go in a scenario but the others didn't but then a producer comes up and says Hey guys, it's about your third or fourth putt. We need to get this wrapped <laughs> up. So <laughs> uh, we better try and bank off the big pyramid and get down to the little pyramids. So at the end of the day, they Montana was very close. I don't know how that did not bounce off on the that, that angle she was coming in on. That ball should have gone in. Um, yeah, very much the application we only showed three on tv and i think we would have had around maybe seven putts in total it's not too bad actually yeah well yeah it's not one in a hundred one in seven i can get it <laughs> yeah that's that's very different than season two of the u.s it was a it was a very long evening of uh of going at that hole and yeah it was 3.34 in the morning, I think it was. So she was alert, a very early morning and the sun came up at around five, quarter past five. So we um, have an application. You had to get it done. 
And he's got it. He got he got the jacket for winning his episode, and then he got the bejeweled putter, hundred thousand Australian. We got to see the bejeweled putter here on Zoom, and we're recording. I'm gonna do yes. another screenshot again. Look at that beauty! Uh, it's got all of those like primary colors. Uh, I oh, am. Oh, look at that! Oh, oh, awesome. So it is just so extra like the whole putter is yeah we'll have to get a we'll have to get some photos to include and we publish this episode how much has it like kind of changed your life winning something big like that not only like tv but like the money you know like to be able to do things with your family and all of that like how has it the whole experience changed your life uh it's sort of changed your life has helped you in life it's it's more of a helping uh, mm-hmm. with I've never bought a new car. I spoiled myself with the Toyota U in a Hilux. So yeah, done. My son's got some money. We bought a camper. You know, it's it's that scenario. You're setting yourself up for the next say 10 or 15 years with it. You're trying to work it so you can have a balance in life. And it just was a buffer to help us through. Um, I go out and be People see me in the beard and they stare at me anyhow. So it's just <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just another accolade at the end of the day that the holy moly winner. So, yeah, at the end of the day, we just go out there and enjoy life and get amongst it all. Um, and, and as I say, you have a crack at things and holy moly has changed it a little bit because you're now more known than just the beard. <laughs> so, yeah, you get noticed a lot more. Well, hopefully you will have one of the greatest compliments a, a champion can be uh, bestowed upon this, I guess it would be this fall, if you have a child dress up as a holy moly champion for Halloween. Because uh, uh, one of my friends, although I did obviously not win, one of my friend's sons was so just enthralled by the show that they went out and got the green plaid jacket and he had a golden putter and he was a holy moly winner for Halloween. So I could see hopefully some, some little child in Australia has looked at you. I can, I can, the big fake beard. I I would love to see if you get that as part of your uh, legacy of the show. Yeah, no, I hope because I know Rob Riggle and Shervo, they doctored my beard onto them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Classic photo. Um, when Rob said he's got his own built-in Halloween costume, so uh, that's what beards do. So yeah, it's it's there's little notions about everything, and that's awesome to see people look trying to adapt to us and be that. So yeah, it's great. And before we leave you for the last time, before we recap the first episode of Holy Moly, we're gonna do big thoughts, mini golf. If you want to have the true Holy Moly experience, imagine what it's like to play one of the wildest courses in the world. Go online, find a super fun looking course, look at it for like four to five months, then show up at about midnight in the cold, wait about four or five hours, and know that in order to play the second hole, you need to play that first hole either well or better than some random opponent that you've never met. Do all of that, and you'll get a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be on Holy Moly. So that's what we've been talking about all episode. This week kicks off the third season in the U.S. of Holy Moly. 
Now, we know at times people tend to talk about how this show is too silly or not enough about mini golf, but we're always here to remind you that this is television. It's entertainment. I know that if you're listening to our show, probably preaching to the choir, but when you watch the season's episodes, just remember, it's a fun show, it's great to watch with the family, and ultimately has had a positive impact on the mini golf world at large. So while it's fair to criticize, and of course that's what we do on half the show, just keep in mind, the show's designed in a specific way, and it's best for the sport of mini golf to support it as much as you can so enjoy the coming episodes in season three of holy moly and be sure to listen to us a couple days after each one and with that we're at the 19th hole so until next time putt one ready